Hi everyone, this is Carmen and Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. What do you have today? Is it uplifting? Is it depressing? Is it um, both? It's not really uplifting. It's depressing. Okay, that's perfect because we're recording on Christmas Day and so... Yeah, well, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because it happened on December 20th, which is not too far off from today, Christmas. Oh, okay, from the day of recording. This is going to come out in like two weeks. Yeah, so we're like late on it. Oh, it won't come out around Christmas time, but we're recording on Christmas Day. Today, we're going to talk about the U.S. invasion of Panama during the Bush senior presidency in 1989. Did you, does this sound familiar at all to you? Yes, I am familiar with this. Although, why did I think it happened on September 11th? Familiar as in I know that it happened and that it's not talked about a lot. Okay, okay. But yeah, before we get into that, I need to briefly tell you about Manuel Noriega. Doesn't that name sound familiar to you? Yes, really quick though. You know how we were like, I was like, what is the other 9-11? 9-11, that yeah. Is that was another invasion, though, no, of Central America? Overthrow of Salvador Allende in Chile. Uh, That's what that is, which is on the topic uh, list. But I okay, was getting okay. confused and thinking that it was the Panama invasion. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So Manuel Norega does sound familiar to you then? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So I won't get too much into his life because we just simply do not have the time or more like the time for me to research all of that. Yes. Um, but he was a dictator of Panama from 1983 to 1989. And before his dictatorship, he was a military officer. And in his youth, he studied at the Chorillos Military School and the infamous School of the Americas. You know why it sounded familiar to me? Because I just recorded a TikTok about the School of Americas and I listed oh. out countries that or people that were trained there, like the yeah. dictators. And he was one of the names on that that I read about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No wonder. Um and uh, at the School of the Americas, he took courses in counterintelligence, intelligence, and jungle warfare. Manuel rose through the military ranks in alliance with Omar Torrijos, who overthrew President Arnulfo Arias. And um, Manuel Noriega participated in this coup. Okay, and this is in I, I Panama. Said that, like together, I said that weird. <laughs> Sorry, you did in yeah. this coup. There. In this coup, yeah, and this is in Panama, right? This is in Panama, yes. Okay. Um, during Torrijos' reign, Manuel Noriega became the chief of military intelligence, but, yet, but he had been operating in the intelligence world since the 1950s. Wow. Yeah. He received his first payment of $10.70 from the United States in 1955 when he was part of a socialist youth group and participated in protests against U.S. presence in Panama. Oh, and he was a snitch in yes, the group. Yes, he was. A mole. Mm-hmm. Mm, pues. <laughs> <laughs> During his time in the military under Omar Torrijos, Manuel... Oh, I should have done... So, content warning at the top oh. for everything. <laughs> okay, I will move it at the top. Yeah. Um... So Manuel under wait uh, what's the, the military, content warning? Sorry, oh warning? everything. Uh, <laughs> oh content warning for everything. Content warning for everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, sexual assault, violence. Hmm. I think that's 
Okay. Um, where was I? Oh, so there's a lot of horrible things this guy did, and I'm not gonna get into a lot of it, but I just wanted to share like briefly, um, so we could get a better picture. During his time in the military under Omar Torrijos, Manuel was involved in many violent incidents, allegedly including the rape of a 13-year-old girl and the beating of her brother. And then he also infiltrated and disrupted labor unions forming um, in the United Fruit Company's workforce. United Fruit Company? Yeah, United Fruit Company. Okay, we should have a bingo card. I mean, now that you speak of it, what would be on the bingo card? Yeah. So United Fruit Company for sure. Mm -hmm. Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, The School of the Americas. Yes. The CIA. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, we have those four for sure. I think that's a good uh, basis for now. That's one line for sure. Uh, We'll we'll fill in the rest. We are going to hit all of them in this episode. (laughs) A student massacre. And we should add that in. Or actually a massacre in general. We should add in Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. massacre. Yeah. A mole. (laughs) Uh, Media repression. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We'll think think of more things. Yeah. So we already uh, talked about the... Or mentioned the School of the Americas. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) yeah. So far. Mm-hmm. So and United Fruit Company, so I yeah. forgot about that one. <laughs> and he worked with the CIA, ding ding ding, <laughs> and he became one of the their most valued intelligence assets in Latin America, meaning he helped destabilize many Latin American countries, doing so by delivering illicit weapons, military equipment, and cash to U.S. backed forces, including death squads. Oh. That should be another bingo. Death squads. That should be another another square. Uh, actually, I'm going to write all this down in my notes. <laughs> so he helped deliver all of those uh, throughout Latin America. Once in 1976, LBJ uh, or L- L- what's his name? Lyndon B. Johnson. Lyndon, Lyndon B. Linda. Johnson. Yeah, no, I, will. <laughs> I wanted to say Lyndon. London. That's wrong. No, Lyndon. Yeah. LBJ called Manuel a rising star in the Panamanian military. Gross. Also, often I just say Manuel because we're on a first name basis with almost everyone in this podcast. Yeah, we're more casual here, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Sometimes I say his full name. Sometimes I just say Manuel. Yeah, of course. When I I, I use some quotes and that's the only time I say Noriega. (laughs) So just, yeah, I think people probably noticed already. (laughs) Yeah. We both do it. (laughs) So Manuel Noriega was held in high regard as an intelligence asset and had such a close relationship with the U.S. government that he was said to have met Bush senior more than once. But -hmm. of course, Manuel Noriega's detailed knowledge of U.S. operations in Central America was compromising to Bush, especially as he launched his war on drugs, since in addition to being a CIA asset, Manuel Noriega also had strong ties to Pablo Escobar's um, cartel. Oh. Um, so he was like drug trafficking and stuff like that, too. Um, and of course, we know that Reagan was funding these conflicts through drugs. Like now we know that. Mm-hmm. And Manuel Noriega had a huge part in this since he was trafficking drugs alongside. He was mm-hmm. like, yeah, th- that's how he, you, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's add corruption to our bingo card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this was not a good look for Bush. But even worse for Bush, 
Did I already mention that Bush, uh, I think I say later on, but we know that Bush Sr. was uh, the vice president to Reagan. Oh, yeah. I'm sure people might recall that, but yeah. Yeah, but just in case, yeah. Even worse for Bush, Manuel's role as intermediary between the U.S. and the repressive, deadly, and authoritarian regimes they were upholding implicated Bush in the illegal, covert Central American intervention since Bush was the CIA director and vice president to Reagan before his own presidency. So all of that knowledge that Manuel had about U.S. operations put him in not not the best position. (laughs) Yeah, right. So um, there's a longer story to Manuel's rise to power, which is tied to Omar Torrijos and his own rise to power, but we won't be getting too much into that either. The main point is that Manuel helped Omar maintain power by doing his dirty work throughout the years, which included enforcing unpopular decisions with force, providing intelligence and carrying out covert operations. So like death squad behavior, you know? Yeah. (laughs) The huge. Yeah. So this dirty work also included ordering the death of priest Jesus Hector Gallego Erea. Oh, who was like a pro worker, pro uh, agriculture worker. Wow. Let's add a murder of a priest. Or uh, religious figures. Because yeah. sometimes it's also nuns. True. Um, shout out El Salvador. Mm-hmm. In 1981, after Torrijos' death, Manuel Noriega began consolidating power and came to rule in 1983. And there's also a longer story to that. But again, we're not getting into it. But basically, there was like an elected president. But in reality, a, the, a military junta was running the show. And Yes, which we've seen across yeah during this time period in latin america like argentina's yeah. military junta mm-hmm, mm-hmm. brazil had one too. yeah <laughs> yeah shut the fuck up <laughs> and uh, manuel noriega and two other generals were a part of this military junta but manuel was like the main one okay okay yeah um so his dictatorship was marked by repression of the media bingo uh military expansion Persecution of political opponents and dissidents Mm -hmm. and controlling election outcomes. You know, typical dictatorship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So a truth commission conducted to investigate the human rights violations perpetrated by the military dictatorships of Omar Torrijos before Manuel and then Manuel Norega's dictatorship. They're conjoined. I don't know, whatever. Their military dictatorships were from 1968 to 1989. Together, that's how long? Yeah. 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 20 years about almost yeah okay so a truth commission was like organized to um find out and investigate the human rights violations during both of these dictatorships so the commission found that both regimes engaged in torture cruel inhuman and degrading treatment of its victims of course Overall, 110 of the 148 reported human rights abuses were documented, and most of those violations occurred against supporters of President Arias, who that's who Omar Torrijos ousted in his coup. Who they overthrew, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 24 grave sites were located in military buildings and prisons, and a follow-up commission was also implemented, but the exact number of victims 
from 68 to 89 are still unknown. <gasps> wow. And over the years, more grave sites were discovered, like as a result of these human rights violations and stuff like that. Wow. So over the years, Manuel Noriega became a problem for the U.S. for various reasons, including Bush needing to keep a drug free image. Noriega grew increasingly anti United States, at one point, even declaring a state of war against the U.S which threatened the U.S. precious access to the Panama Canal. Of course, yeah. In 1988, during the beginning of Iran-Contra, a Senate committee concluded the... F uh, that doesn't make sense. Did I finish? <laughs> Did I finish the sentence? Oh, no, that's why I, I interjected something in between. So I have a quote from the Senate committee. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to tell you to let me finish the quote because it does get more annoying as I read on and you're going to have feelings about it. I know you are. And, and I'm sure it's the same part that I was like, what the fuck? So let me finish the quote before you say something. Oh, okay. I will not interrupt. So yeah, in 1988, a Senate committee said the following. The saga of Noriega represents one of the most serious foreign policy failures for the United States. Throughout the 70s and 80s, Noriega was able to manipulate U.S. policy toward his country while skillfully accumulating near-absolute power in Panama, it is clear that each U.S. government agency which had a relationship with Noriega turned a blind eye to his corruption and drug dealing. Did you have any feelings there? <laughs> um, any? I mean, th this is what they do in every country. And it was only a failure because he stopped listening to them. And exactly. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we the part that made me and the part that I thought you're going to be like, interrupt me. But I told you to not interrupt me. Yes, of course. Was where they said Noriega was able to manipulate U.S. policy toward his country. <laughs> they did this shit on purpose. There is no manipulating. Right. Right. Foreign policy. Like this is the foreign policy. Yeah, <laughs> this is the foreign policy, which he then took and used it to his advantage but not to benefit his people to benefit benefit himself and his regime and get more money through drug trafficking but that's not and they didn't turn a blind eye to it it was meant that way the whole time it was it meant that way he just took it and ran with it because he was able to because that's what they do yeah so they're yeah. trying to say that the you know poor united states was manipulated by this drug lord yeah and in reality <laughs> We know the U.S. intentionally props up dictatorships. Yeah. they He just got a little too evil for them. And now they're like, uh, uh, we don't know how this happened. No, it wasn't even that. It it wasn't that he got too evil. It was that he they could no longer control him. Yeah, and he no bad. longer wanted to work for them. Yes, exactly. Because they don't give a fuck about no, they don't. people being evil or not. As we can see literally right now. Right now. Yeah, right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. So, yeah, it, it's completely misleading for them to say that the United <laughs> States turns a blind eye to corruption when in reality they foster it and they benefit from it. <laughs> they love it as long as it works for them. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1989, when George Bush Sr. came into office, he decided to do something about Manuel Noriega, despite previously overlooking Manuel's corrupt, brutal and authoritarian regime. By 1987, Despite decades of working with Manuel, he outlived his usefulness to the United States. Bush Sr. had a point to prove. He had to prove the prowess of the U.S. military, especially after being unable to destroy the Castro regime, the Sandinistas, or the revolutionary movement in the United States. So Bush and his 
uh, I was going to say his friends, but his, whatever, his government, <laughs> the United States. Bush and his homies. Yeah. <laughs> they claimed that they wanted to bring Manuel to trial as a drug trafficker, as he had already been indicted for drug trafficking charges in Florida. And then they further claimed that they wanted to protect U.S. citizens since a, a military guy. I think I was just military guy because I don't know what <laughs> dictator military dictator like, i don't know, I don't know. General, no uh no? U, like a u.s soldier like a oh a guy a u.s soldier a military uh-huh. guy from the u.s so they were claiming that they wanted to protect united states citizens because a guy in the military and his wife had been threatened by soldiers from panama but and then i didn't look further into what happened my question is like For all we know they would have been they could have been making it up <clears throat> what would a soldier in panama have done to a soldier in the united states unless that soldier mm-hmm. in the united states was already in panama like what how are they going to reach each other well there was they were stationed there already there was a u.s soldiers yeah okay so like nothing would have happened if they weren't there in the first place <laughs> exactly yeah that's how you keep them so, safe <laughs> you yeah. get them out of where the threat is <laughs> yeah so on december 20th 1989 the u.s launched operation just cause in which they invaded Panama with 26,000 troops. Just before midnight, U.S. helicopters, artillery, and ground forces descended upon Panama City with little to no warning to Panamanian civilians. It was a swift victory for the United States. Manuel Noriega was captured, and then he was tried and convicted for drug trafficking charges. Upon, oh, sorry, I keep, because I'm talking in English and Spanish. Oh, I, I, I get it. I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> upon Manuel's capture, a pro-U.S. government was installed. Unsurprisingly, when Manuel was tried by the U.S. government, the court did not allow for Manuel's defense to present any evidence related to his work for the CIA, <gasps> his knowledge of U.S. subversion in Central America, nor his relationships with U.S. government leaders like Bush. Of course, they left all that out. Yeah. Um, Meaning the U.S. effectively kept its nefarious behavior in Central America hidden. Mm -hmm. Just how they wanted. Of course, yeah. Manuel's capture and conviction also legitimized and reinforced the practice of forcible regime change by the United States in places they have no business inserting themselves, you know. Mm -hmm. It set a precedent that this is what they were going to, this is what they have done, this is what they can do, and this is what they're going to keep doing. And to this day, it holds true. Yeah. Noriega's capture also allowed the U.S. to reassert its power in Central America. And it allowed the U.S. to do a practice run on the military equipment they would later use in the Gulf War. One of the U.S. commanders of Just Cause even said the following, quote, We have all these new gadgets, laser-guided missiles, and stealth fighters, and we're just dying to use that stuff. I want to throw up. (laughs) <laughs> that's, yeah. i hate that and that's the same shit that they like, like the global south is their little playground where they go no playground just, yeah do shit like this and i hate it yeah often when this chapter in history is told the harm it caused to panamanians is ignored or minimized mm-hmm. according to some accounts the invasion was over quickly and quote unquote relatively bloodlessly Often, the power of the U.S. military is emphasized or the story is spun in a funny way, like the storyteller will recall how Manuel Norega finally surrendered after four days of evading capture after he was subjected to, quote, sonic assault, 
What is that? <laughs> Let me tell you what it is. Okay. So basically, the U.S. military blasted a rock nonstop at the Vatican embassy where Manuel was hiding until he surrendered. Oh, I didn't know that. And then, so this is like a joke. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like a, when people talk about this, that's what they talk about. And it's like a, a funny little thing, you know? Okay. But I'm sure that U.S. military did some atrocities that they tend to do. Yeah. So they played songs like I Fought the Law by The Clash, Panama by Van Halen, All I Want Is You by U2, and If I Had a Rocket Launcher by Bruce Cockburn. And I don't know any of these songs. Not U2. Aren't they the ones that <laughs> forcefully uh, uploaded their album onto yeah. iPods? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something they would do. Understandable that he was like, I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> And what's often ignored is the harm and suffering to Panamanians. Yes, I figured. Caused by this largely unwanted U.S. intervention. In fact, even the colonial organization, the Organization of American States, or OAS. Um, mm -hmm. I thought I added a little blurb about this, but this was created after the... Uh, it's like an old organization. Yeah, this uh, like was around created... the Monroe. Monroe. Yes, yes. Monroe. What is um, it called? I recall the OAS being around when we talked about an, something else. Um, yeah, the Monroe Doctrine. Yeah, yes, yeah. It was. Um, uh, I think created to try to enact that or something like that. Organization of American States established in 1890. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. This says that it was founded on april 30th 1948 but it had predecessor oh, type of organizations before that but it's 32 member states and uh, it includes a lot of latin america and then like canada the united states yeah. um yes yes and its goals and purpose let's see to achieve an order of peace and justice to promote their solidarity to strengthen their collaboration and to defend their sovereignty territorial integrity and their independence that's what it pretends to do. To strengthen peace and security in the continent. It's really it's really to maintain Western, which means U.S., in power. Yeah, in the global south. <laughs> yes, yeah. And that's why I called it a colonial organization. Yes. So even they condemned the, the U.S. invasion of Panama. Even they did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it was un completely uncalled un for, completely unnecessary. And the fact that they didn't warn the citizens of the country they were invading even the they warned them in english oh wow <laughs> oh of course they did and even the legality of the invasion is is questioned often yeah like yeah completely illegal it basically it was not a yeah so on the day of the invasion bush senior said the goals of the u.s have been to safeguard the lives of americans to defend democracy. It's always that. Yep. To defend democracy in Panama, to com combat drug trafficking, and to protect the integrity of the Panama Canal Treaty. The day after the invasion, Bush said the loss of life was worth it. And I said it like that because it's obviously not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a really good person on Twitter that talks about mm -hmm. this all the time. And I can never remember her handle. Um, Diaspora Dash is her handle. Oh, I've seen. Yeah, that. she's a historian, um, but she is Panamanian. And oh, okay. um, yeah, she. 
I have seen tweets of her where she talks about the illegal U.S. invasion of Panama. Um, but yeah, excellent um, account to follow. I just saw the TikTok, it looks like. But yeah, the um, December 20th, 1989, U.S. military with the coll collaboration of Panama oligarchy invaded Panama. Uh, people bombed and killed were mostly black. 20,000 ended up homeless. 7,000 were jailed. There's no official count of how many people were killed. I'm going to get into that. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> anyway, just to <laughs> say that that's an excellent account to follow. But we can share that after we this episode comes out to. Um, and well, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But interesting, though, when I did look into all this stuff, of course, no one mentioned this was a primarily or the, none of the articles I saw mentioned this was a primarily primarily black Panamanian neighborhood. Of course, it just mentioned that it was a impoverished neighborhood, but of course they left the race <laughs> out of it. Very telling indeed. The U.S. military severely minimized the death toll of Panamanians, citing 200 to 300 Panamanian soldiers and paramilitary members and over 300 civilian deaths from the so-called Operation Just Cause. However, others put the deaths at thousands. Yeah, I believe the others. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, ambulance drivers compared the damage done to El Chorillo. Oh, sorry, this is not to ours. It's just one R. To El Chorillo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a poor neighborhood in Panama City to Hiroshima. Calling it Little Hiroshima. Like, just because oh. it was left in complete rubble. Like, wow. all, none of wow. the buildings were left yeah. standing. Okay, so if it was left in complete rubble, nothing left standing. There's no way that that little amount of people yeah died. no no um and el torillo primarily was the more the where the most damage was done because manuel norega's one of his command centers or the main one i don't know it was located in el torillo mm. immediately after the invasion while the siege was still ongoing the u.s tried to hide evidence of urban combat because they were trying to say like oh we don't engage in urban combat because it's not safe and blah blah wow so they tried to hide this no. by providing journalists with their own previously filmed and edited camera footage of the city oh my god yeah i'm not <laughs> this is and they didn't let the journalists out of like specific areas because they I'm, of course obviously knew they were indeed engaging in urban combat i'm speechless because this is such a parallel to uh palestine yeah. specifically gaza right now with the iof yeah. editing their pr videos yeah carefully wow i mean this is all in the same right yeah yeah Unfortunately, the exact number of deaths from Operation Just Cause are um, unknown, but the numbers range from 500 to 5,000 Panamanian deaths, thousands injured, and 20,000 in El Torillo losing their homes and basically losing everything. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Most of the displaced Panamanians lost everything they owned and had to take shelter in the cubicles of the U.S. Albrook Air Force Base. While others stayed in large tents outside of the, I don't know how do you pronounce this, hangar, 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 hangar. Okay, hangar. It's where uh, aircraft is kept. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. And I had to Google that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and then others took refuge in like public buildings and stuff like that. Many in the neighborhood of Colon also lost their homes and became displaced. But these are the main areas that were 
damage in Torillo and Colón. The Physicians for Human Rights 1990 report found that there was a ratio of at least six civilian deaths to one military death. And that at least 3,000 Panamanian civilians sustained serious physical injuries. Per the Physicians for Human Rights 1990 report, civilians were injured from gunfire, burns, shrapnel, lacerations from glass and debris, stabbings, and bullets. And so this contradicts that the United States is trying to lie about engaging in urban warfare or combat, whatever they called it. The report found that a five-year-old... I don't think we did a content warning for child deaths. So so the report found that a five-year-old had been shot in the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. A four-year-old lost sight in one eye from grenade fragments. And a 13-year-old was shot in their abdomen. And there was others that I didn't write down. Oh. After the invasion, corpses were left burned and piled up on the streets. Oh, my God. Terrible. Just terrible. As part of their investigation and resulting report, the Physicians for Human Rights interviewed many survivors. And so I just have a few quotes from them. So um, they don't use full names or anything like that. So like it'll be like Miss E, Mr. Something, like first letter. Yeah. So I'm going to share a quote from Miss E, who was a lifetime resident of El Chorillo and became disabled by a fracture that destroyed part of her right leg when she jumped out of a balcony to escape flames from her burning home oh so buildings were being set on fire at the invasion but people there's like different uh uh, stories whether it was the u.s military or paramilitaries that were setting buildings on fire yeah in panama like panamanian paramilitaries yes yeah yeah Sorry, I thought you meant in Panama. I was like, yes, we were talking about Panama. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) like obviously in Panama. But no, I was asking a paramilitary supporting um, Manuel Noriega Mm -hmm, specifically. mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so she her leg became fractured when she was escaping from her burning home. So before escaping her burning home, Miss E's 27 year old son was caught in crossfire between the U.S. troops and the Dignity Battalion, one of the paramilitary supporting Manuel, and her son died. Wow. So Miss E said the following, The strength I give myself is that my son gave his life for a change, but I don't see things changing. The only change I see is that Norega is under arrest. Now I can't work. Why, if they wanted to take Norega, why didn't they just look for him? Why did so many people get killed? I don't know the meaning of this invasion because things are worse now. When Norega was here, we had a home, we had a job, and we had food. Now Norega isn't here and we have nothing. So what is the change? Father Arteta, someone that was just a priest that was just supporting like the victims and stuff, said that the dead are in another world with the Lord. They are in a better life. That day I wanted to stand up and say, who did my son give his life to, God or to his country? Wow. It just very... um. I got chills. Very much like, I don't know, because like how she said, 
why if they were looking for him why didn't they just go and find him instead of destroy the entire place why did they have to yeah exactly and this is akin to what they said when they were looking for oh that's the word i was trying to (laughs) think of yeah i can't think of of it but yeah um yeah it rings like it it just makes you think of uh when they were looking for both saddam hussein and osama bin laden yeah Um, yeah they went and killed i mean like i mean i think in total after all these years of a presence of the United States in the Middle East, over a million people have died easily. And I'm yeah. like, not like, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know I've read it and it's at least a million. And, and you know, the combination yeah. of like all the countries affected in the Middle East when they were doing this. And it's the same thing. If yeah. they, if they were looking for this and they knew where Manuel Noriega was, which is even worse. <laughs> they knew that he had uh, escaped. <laughs> Actually, I don't want to, I didn't read that they knew he had escaped. Uh-huh. But I mean, what is the reason to harm all these civilians? And this you know? is to uh, show their power to to yes, use their yeah. little their little tools they literally and equipment. Said, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and because you know, the more they destroy a place like this, the more dependent they make it on the Western countries like the United States. Yes, yeah, use it to their advantage is what I was going to say. Yeah, later. Yeah, but I did come across articles that talked about that um the dependence that's created afterwards um but i didn't look too much into it but i'm glad that you mentioned it because that is like a factor here mm-hmm. yeah and that's why they do things like this in the global south because yeah. then they can use the resources because the country needs the money mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it also creates um because the, the aid doesn't actually come for free like people think right so it, it indebts those countries to the united states yeah yeah. And which is why when you then look at other countries like Venezuela, when Chavez refused mm-hmm. aid from the United States, it wasn't because he was trying to starve his people. It's because the aid comes with strings. Yeah. Yep. But they never want to talk about that. No, because I just thought about that John <laughs> Oliver video. When yeah. He was like, and he didn't take money for them, like making a joke about it. And I'm like, please, if you don't know the reasons, shut up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why don't you listen to geopolitical economy? <laughs> They talk about Listen it on there. Ben Norton, okay? Ben Norton. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> I stand. <laughs> um, mo- <laughs> Sorry, I'm still laughing. Uh, most of the Panamanians interviewed didn't express anger solely at the United States, but a few did. So a Panamanian medic said the following. In the name of democracy, you don't care who dies and who gets destroyed. I'm talking about your leaders. You send young people to kill people, to kill others. If they wanted to do it, they could have taken Noriega without killing anyone. George Bush wanted total destruction of Panama. Yep. And another uh, survivor, Mr. F, said, I believe they came here to massacre people thinking the whole people were in favor of Noriega. And that also rings true i think like today of a lot of people equating some like uh palestinian people to um yes hamas like hamas like they say just because they're palestinian it means they support them when i mean go if you go anywhere they're gonna people have differing yes yeah yeah it's like if you came to the united states and you thought everybody supported biden yeah (laughs) (laughs) or whoever you know is the leader right right of the time in 2016 panama sought a truth commission 
the December 20, 1989 commission with the goal of identifying the victims of the invasion, reclaiming the country's collective memory, paving the way for reparations for the families of the victims and for the history to be honored in school curriculums and public monuments. So every year on December 20th, Panama commemorates this tragedy, which they have coined the National Reflection Day. And on National Reflection Day, public and private organizations fly the flag at half-mast and Panamanians dedicate a moment of their time to remember the victims. And in 2022, uh, it became an actual like holiday with a day off or time and a half if you don't have the day off. And then um, I don't know if they also call it this or they renamed it. I couldn't tell Uh which if which it was, but it was it became, I think, the National Day of Mourning. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Trinidad Ayola, president of the Association of Relatives and Friends of the Fallen of December 20th, highlighted the grief felt every December 20th with the following quote. The relatives still feel this pain. There is no December that people do not remember the that disastrous invasion. Oh. Yeah. And over time, more victims have been found. I didn't look for since then till now but i did see that in 2020 33 like i mean i didn't look up every year to see right, what, right. what was found or you know i but in 2020 33 bags with bone remains were exhumed and wow. in 2021 the remains of four victims were located okay so yeah they're just it's like uh in el salvador where every once in a while yeah. they'll find more mass graves as a result mm-hmm. of you know war and um the commission is still investigating Wow. But on its website, the commission reports a preliminary list of oh. 439 victims. Already already more than the number yes. that the United States gave. <laughs> yeah, already more. Not surprised. And out of those 439, about 80 of them are unidentified. <gasps> and then 233 are confirmed victims and the rest are still being investigated. Wow. And though I like out of the ones that are uh, confirmed, they have like where they were found and like things like that. Yeah. Um. Or where they I don't know if it's where they were actually when they passed oh. or because it must have been that because a lot of it said the same area. OK, so that makes sense. Where they, yeah. Where but they, they could died. also have been found. I guess true, they would be found in the same area. Yeah. Now that I think about it, maybe. Yeah. And then um, from the Physicians for Human Rights report that I've been talking about from 1990. Mm-hmm. They found that depression, post-traumatic stress, and other psychological symptoms were widespread among 15,000 Panamanians. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And they make a point to note in their report that often the psychological trauma is overlooked and not studied, reported on, or anything like that. Like, people always just talk about the physical death, the uh, physical toll on the place, but not the... And even uh, even then, they really only address like the deaths, but not how this creates a mass disabling event of the population. So then now they're the amount of people that are now disabled increases. Yeah. And then there's no social services to support the newly disabled population. And that's what it talked about in the Physician for Human Rights report, that there, there was no infrastructure to support the survivors and even the shelters that they had like at the 
at and around the Air Force Base. There wasn't enough food to go around. Of the course. hygiene, there was yeah. not enough for people to maintain their hygiene. And then the toll it takes on people to survive like that day to day. Yes. Yeah. And then the overcrowded camps where people are staying, it just spreads more disease. And then mm-hmm. then there's more people that die because of that. And then those numbers also are not factored in to mm-hmm. the death because of this invasion. And it's just insane because if you're going to attack a country like that for no reason. The least you could do is like it provide real aid, but they're never they're never going to do that. Yeah. And I mean, an entire community was destroyed. El Churillo was a tight knit community. A lot of the people related to each other and had like it was like they called it like a self-sustaining community. Mm. And all of that was destroyed. Yeah. And I'm assuming that um, these were multi-generational homes of people that lived together. So then in this attack, families were probably all killed with like very few survivors yeah i read about people that lost their whole family yeah Yeah. terrible terrible i hate it yeah and i mean of course you know our point here in sharing this piece of history is not to defend manuel noriega at all but to emphasize Mm -mm. the hypocrisy of the united states (laughs) yes yes um and this is not news to any of our listeners of course but the u.s holds itself as the moral police of the world inserts itself in global issues and purports itself as the upholder of democracy worldwide all while propping up uh dictatorships when it's beneficial to the united states Mm -hmm. all while harming countless people's lives committing atrocities violating human rights and international law yeah and also to add that if you read about this like you mentioned the thing that you're going to read about is how they played music to get manuel noriega to surrender but no one is going to mention the lives that were killed or that this was a primarily black community uh yeah yeah and that didn't even come up in my yeah the only reason i know it is because of that twitter account that i've told you about yeah i wish i had looked that up yeah Yeah. she also has a lot of uh she offers zoom history classes her and another afro-mexican professor they Mm -hmm. host like uh afro latino history and latin america sometimes specific countries um i've been meaning to take a few but it's never at the right time and i think you can replay it of course but it's a really an amazing um historian and like person to follow interesting i'm gonna look her up i think she's on instagram too one of those oh okay i i think she is because i recognize that username or that whatever they call it yeah and Um, i'll put it in the show notes so so yeah like i said i know this is not news to um so that's unknown listeners but i feel like we need to call this out and talk about it as much as possible especially in today's landscape (laughs) yeah and and yeah like we said already learn um the full history of it not just the funny little yeah story because it took me like deeper into the <laughs> google results to find an article that didn't focus on the har, 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 rock music har, har, har. <laughs> yeah like disgusting absolutely extremely disgusting. extremely and i was um, like i don't care about the rock music <laughs> i don't care about <laughs> yeah <laughs> the soldiers that invaded I want to read about the Panamanians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, this is why it, this whole podcast exists to <clears throat> yes, tell that yeah. side of the story so that you don't have to go eight pages into Google search to find <laughs> it, the non-US narrative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to share one last quote. This is from 
one of the authors of one of the articles I used from Al Jazeera, and her name is Belen Fernandez. So, um, and then this article was about when Panama implemented that Truth Commission, which is only done in 2016. Wow. To like, uh, investigate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she said, the more incriminating history that can be exhumed, the harder it will be for the United States to hide behind honorable intentions in the future. And that yes. is... Yes. Uh, amazing. Beautifully yes. said. Because, yes, the... Oh, th- sorry. I'm like losing my words. Uh, <laughs> or like, there's like a lot of thoughts in my head at once and I couldn't like, yes. Yeah. Too many. Yeah. It's the, it's the ADHD. Yes. <sighs> yeah. No, <laughs> no but yeah. um, how was I going to say? Because the, U- the United States tried to say this was to preserve democracy, to get rid of a dictator, to, to finally arrest him on his drug trafficking blah 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 and they but they only cared about that to protect their image to hide what they did in central america yeah uh because he knew about it mm-hmm. and uh time and time again they try to say oh we we only engaged in this regime change overthrow which they always never want to sit, word yeah. it that way right and we only did this to protect democracy but it, it, it's never the case no that's never the case never never yeah and people still i was gonna that was the other thing I was, people uh-huh. still look back at this invasion as a good thing <laughs> as a and then i think when you see that narrative you have to think good for who certainly not the panamanians <laughs> no no of course not like you said that person the quote that they shared about how nothing has changed except now they have less food less shelter yeah. and norega's gone like yeah um i'm glad you brought this topic I can't wait to do a TikTok video about it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the entire so the entire report from the Physicians for Humans reports is linked on here. And then there was another website. Oh, it's, it's on here, but they um from Panama and they um every update where there was like more stuff found or whatever, they like do a little like new blurb on it. So that was a good one too. Perfect. And um the I also, it took me forever to find the actual website for the Truth Commission, but I oh, found it. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. And it's linked on here, too. Perfect. Oh, um, let's wrap this up because I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. This is, yeah, that was it. So, uh, bye, everyone. And thank you for listening. And we hope that this was one less historia known for you. Mm, yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.